2: Some see it as an extreme measure. Others see it as luxury. Many don't even know much about it. We're talking about oocyte cryopreservation. Cryopreservation. That is a fancy word for egg freezing. Why aren't more women familiarized with this option? And what is it exactly? We all know our biological clocks are ticking, so why aren't we doing more to preserve our dreams of being mothers? Today, Pamela shares her journey of freezing her eggs as we chat with fertility expert, Dr. Hernandez Ray. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist.
3: And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty
2: different. And that's totally okay, because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments.
0: Oh, welcome
2: right. to
3: Motherish Moments. Hello. Today we are talking egg freezing, which is one of the topics I think surprised Karen when we first met. I don't even know how that came up. I have no idea. I think I just dropped it randomly. Oh yeah, you know I froze my ex, right? And, and I'm were just like,
2: what? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I never knew much about it. And I, I remember when I started working at Facebook, it was listed as one of the benefits. And I was like, okay, cool. What do I do with that? I don't know. And everyone's like, oh, it's a huge deal. And I'm like, Cool, but I honestly I don't know much about it. Yeah, so today we're gonna answer a few of those questions, why I decided
3: to do it And we have an expert, the doctor who I actually did it with, Dr. Hernandez Ray. he's amazing. He's a good friend of mine um, and he's gonna I think give us a little bit more of a more clear perspective as to why women in his you know argument should be doing it and what it entails exactly.
2: Yes. But first our motherish moment of the week.
3: Yeah, so my son got sick for the first time, like really sick. He had never been sick, knock on wood, um, his whole little life. But he had, first time I'd ever seen him throw up, first time he had a fever, and it all kind of like, you know, came together in a few days and it was very overwhelming. I have a huge fear of the fever, so I ended up calling, you know, the rescue one night and it was just really scary. And it just broke my heart to see him so weak and so not himself. And I just wanted it to like go away. Yeah. The first time it happened, it was pretty much a 24 hour bug. Took him to the doctor. I don't like to wait. I immediately like, I think he threw up like at six in the morning, at eight in the morning. His pediatrician, who is amazing and always available, saw him, you know, gave him a shot. and He was fine for the whole weekend. And then a week later, he ended up getting fever and sick again with different symptoms. And that really scared me. Um, I know from the story of Victoria and the fevers. And I I was like, you know what? I'm not taking a risk but he's doing better now and it was just... It's a learning lesson, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. for all of us. It, it, it's, it's great to see... Not great, but it's amazing to see how we react and how we handle things and how physically strong we are, you know, after, mm-hmm. like, a whole few nights of not sleeping, how we still have to find the strength to keep going and be there for our babies. And um, and they just need... They want their mommy, you know? know. And, it's, and
2: nothing like mommy. There's
3: nothing like mommy. And I just, like... It's so frustrating that there's nothing much we could do at some point to make them feel better. And that's the part that just, like... It broke me, right? I'm like, I just want you to be yourself again And you kind of want to take all the pain from
2: them So I'm just celebrating his health today And I'm glad that he's back For sure, I'm glad he's better my motherish moment is like super light and silly. So I've been prepping for Halloween since, <laughs> since September. <last> year. <laughs> <laughs> so Victoria's gonna be Elsa for Halloween from Frozen. And I was like, oh, maybe I should get her a wig and like see how this goes. And I really had no idea. It's like one of those things where you're like, uh, let's, you know, it's like $12 on Amazon, like whatever, we'll see what happens. Girl, she won't take off the she wig. She is Elsa. Like, she she has literally is like, Mommy, she wakes up, quiero mi pelo largo, ponme mi pelo largo. And she just walks around the house. She's like, Pong, Alexa, play, let it go. That's how and I used like, to feel when I used to wear extensions. Like, I'm another person. Like, oh, really? Please? I've never I, had extensions. I mean, I so wore them, I them for like a week
3: and then I got, <laughs> it was like, too demanding for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, but she is all about her freaking peluca. And like, I mean, she won't take it off. And yeah, it's like a daily thing now. So the thing is, I don't know if this wig is gonna make it to Halloween. (laughs) It's been through a lot of pancakes and syrup already. Like, I don't know. Her her Halloween wig is gonna be looking nappy. So that is my mother's moment of the week.
3: I want to introduce our guest today. We have Dr. Armando Hernandez-Rey. He's based here in Miami, Florida. He's a board-certified reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist. He specializes in treating patients with polycystic ovary syndrome. Excuse if I'm mispronouncing that. Recurrent pregnancy loss or miscarriages and severe endometriosis. He is especially interested in fertility preservation, which is the egg freezing for patients who must delay childbearing for personal or medical reasons, including cancer and systematic lupus and other diseases. So someone referred me to him and I don't remember exactly why I... Or how I heard about this, and I'll mention this later on, but I knew that it was time to do it. I was about to turn 35 or getting close to it. And that's when I decided to go see him. So that's how my egg freezing
2: journey began. And for the record, you have not used your eggs, right? No, I have not. All right, so let's talk to him. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much. So actually, I don't think
3: Karen knew that I had gone through this process.
2: So I learned about the opportunity to freeze your eggs through a benefit at work. And so they were like, oh, it's so great, it's covered. And I'm like, okay, but I don't know why I would ever do that. I don't know anyone who's ever done that, but apparently I do. (laughs) So I'd love to kind of understand why when now later in my life i have more understanding especially after becoming pregnant but before that i never even knew that that was an option someone asked me like when did you decide or when did
3: you hear about this option i can't even tell you when i did all i remember was when i was in my early 30s i wanted to know how fertile i was how much time did i have because i think we all assume that once we're ready to get pregnant it's just going to happen and we're not going to have any issues you know it's kind of part of the story you know you get married You have a happy marriage. Then we like, okay, let's get pregnant. And again, you have the faith, you know, and you trust that everything's going to go well and everything's going to be fine. I don't know why or or how I came across this option. I looked into it. Back then, the first time they told me, listen, you're very young. You know, they do a count. You know, it seems like everything seems healthy right now. Why don't we wait? But when you do turn 35, and I'm sure Dr. Hernandez Ray could confirm this information, your egg count or your quality will dramatically drop. That's in every woman.
2: I've heard that, you know, you have to prepare for egg retrieval. I know some friends that have had a hard time with that. So I just want to understand what it's like
0: and what are the risks. So there's basically two phases. Uh, A first phase, which is, like you said, Karen, a a preparation phase where generally we manipulate hormonally the ovary in a sense, generally with birth control pills. Pamela was on with birth control pills for a period of about 14 days because I actually looked it up. And that's to sever the connection between the brain and the ovary, so the it allows me to be in control of the ovary, so to speak, in the second phase, which is the stimulation phase. You know, understanding the basics of reproductive biology. You know, a woman has a, in general, a a 26 to 30 days menstrual cycle, of which the first 14 days are all in preparation for an eventual implantation. That's the whole purpose of a menstrual cycle. And what we're trying to do is replicate that cycle, but at super physiologic levels, because. When a woman is 20, she'll recruit on every single month up to a thousand eggs per month. And of those thousand eggs, 950 will be of great quality, of good quality, and 50 will be bad, and she'll eventually ovulate the one out of the 950. Compared to a woman at 40, where she'll recruit not a thousand, but a hundred, of which 90 will be of poor quality, and 10 will be good. And that's how a couple who's trying to conceive will you know, lose efficiency, assuming that everything else is perfectly normal. And so, when going through this process, what we're trying to do, as I said before, is replicate the physiologic process at a super physiologic level. So we are stimulating the ovaries super physiologically with the same hormones that the brain produces at a much higher level to be able to recruit and extract a larger complement of eggs. So instead of that one that the woman was naturally gonna ovulate, we're trying to get anywhere between 12 and 20 eggs of the ones that I just said were 950 are good. and. And 50 are bad. We're trying to get 20 of those 950 to make sure that we can freeze those. The stimulation process takes about 10 to 12 days. It requires several medications that are all three are injectable uh, subcutaneously, which is you know slightly better than intramuscular. And then that culminates in the extraction process, which is a minor surgical procedure under anesthesia with an anesthesiologist. So you generally don't feel a thing and it's ambulatory. So you go home the same day and you're back at work on this podcast the following day without, you know, theoretically any difficulty. The ones who tend to have some uh, quote unquote issues are the ones who really respond very well and are sore for lack of a better term. And the whole process takes about uh, four to five weeks in general. And when you take into account the first and the second phase. And the most relevant part about this is when we do this. And and I think Pam said, you know, ask the question rhetorically, when do we do this? Why do we do this? And I always say, super cheesy of me to say, but, you know, yesterday is better than today. And today is better than tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you know. And certainly when I see a 25-year-old, which I saw yesterday, who's a nursing student or three days ago, uh, who's a a sister of one of our reps from one of the drug companies and she has endometriosis. Very clearly I said, I don't want you to feel that you're pressured to do this. You know, we can do this and you'll feel a little bit comfortable about having an insurance policy or we can certainly monitor you because you're 25 years old, which is a different conversation when I have with somebody who's 35.
3: How dramatically do they drop? You know, let's break it down. Like why is 35 not the magic number, but more like the fear number?
0: So 35 is a number that came around many, many, many years ago. It was derived from the obstetrical data in which we saw, well, a significant increase in the rate of miscarriages. Since then, that number has been debunked from an obstetrical standpoint. From a reproductive standpoint, we use that as like a barrier, a boundary. The reality is that it's 37, where we see a very precipitous drop in the egg count. In general, at 37. Right. But I don't wanna go on the show and say, no, no, you're okay at 35, but not okay at 37. Every woman's different. Right. Right. And I also wanna say that, you know, if you ask me what's ideal, it's certainly not 35, and it's certainly definitely not 37. It would be, you know, at the peak of a woman's reproductive potential, which, you know, by all accounts should be between the ages of 22 and 27. However, you know, not many women at 22 or 27 are either ready, willing, and financially and emotionally capable of doing this. And that's very important. And that's why companies like the big tech companies, Google, Apple.
2: Facebook it's where I work.
0: <laughs> right. Are paying for this as a, an incentive to get women such as yourselves who are, again, sophisticated, educated intellectuals to be able to continue working for Facebook and Univision and Telemundo and and Apple and not have to be worrying about oh my God, my biological clock is ticking like Marissa Tomei. Which is a very
3: stressful reality that we deal with mm-hmm. constantly. Like, oh my God, time is passing by. You know, like it is very, very stressful. And I think that's kind of what convinced me to some extent, you know, when you explain to me, like, look, instead of just storing them in your body, which is not going to be the best environment for them eventually, you're literally taking them out and storing them in a place where they are going to maintain their quality. And it's just going to be a safer thing because the only thing you're pretty much losing, you know, small risk. But, you know, the procedure is I think it also emotionally a little bit, you know, draining.
2: Because, you you know, you know how we get when we have hormones in our our bodies. No, totally. And the Um, the thought of what you're doing, why you're doing it can trigger a whole slew of
3: thoughts, you know. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I'd rather have them stored somewhere. Maybe I'll never use them. But at least, you know, I have a peace of mind that if I do want to have a second child, maybe later on. Like, now I'm a single mother. I'm 40 years old. If I do want to have a second child, then maybe by the time I
2: do start trying... I could call and say, So yeah, how does this have- work? So let's say I have my eggs freezed and now I want to have a child. What do I have to do in order to have this child?
0: We get sperm and we thaw the eggs and then we fertilize them and we allow them to develop to a, the stage of an embryo or a blastocyst, what's a, the equivalent of a day five or day six embryo. And then we transfer an embryo to you. If you allow me, I, I forgot to say a, the impact of age... Is that even when you're talking about egg freezing, you know numbers matter because the limitation of egg freezing is that we don't have the ability to you know probe an egg and say it's a good egg or a bad egg like in Willy Wonka, you know good egg, bad egg, you know golden egg or not so golden egg. And so numbers matter. You know there are no hard and fast rules delineated for what's the right number, but in general, you know as a guideline is you know less than thirty, anywhere between six and eight eggs is what generally is sufficient enough to lead to one pregnancy. And 30 to 35, anywhere between 12 and 18 eggs should be sufficient. And 35 to 40, 24 to 28 eggs should be sufficient. But I'll give you two stories of two patients of mine. One uh, at 38, she froze 15 eggs at Cornell and she moved down to South Florida and she was 44 or 42 at the time. No, 44 at the time actually. So those eggs had been frozen at Cornell for six years. She got 15 eggs through three cycles. So that tells you that her ovarian reserve was not perfect um, because it should, even at 38, it shouldn't take three cycles to get only 15 eggs. And she asked me to thaw only half because she was single still and said, listen, you know what? I want to keep half because if I meet somebody, I want to be able to have another child. We thawed out the first half and unfortunately they all died. They didn't survive the thaw. They didn't die. They just didn't survive the thaw. And fortunately for her, the Uh, second batch or the other seven that we thought out we were able to get three embryos three fertilized of the other seven of which two made it to the final stages where we transferred two embryos and uh, because they weren't genetically tested and we transferred two and she got pregnant with both of them and she had twins up until about eight weeks and and unfortunately lost one but fortunately for her she was able to carry the last embryo to term and she has an absolutely beautiful beautiful daughter and the reason I say this story is because she came to visit me because now her little daughter is asking for uh, a, a sibling <laughs> and now she's 48 and now unfortunately she or fortunately you know depends on the lens or, or the perspective you take in this life but uh, now she is still single and is going to use an egg donor to have another child with donated sperm which is what she did before.
4: Llévate tierra para macetas big por solo 897 y crece plantas fuertes y saludables dentro y fuera de casa. Recoge en tienda y sigue cultivando más momentos con mamá en The Home Depot. Haces más, logras más. Más detalles en Home Diagonal Delivery. And
3: there's so many different scenarios and such a personal decision whether you're freezing just your. Eggs, or some people, you know, who are already have someone, a partner, sometimes they choose to freeze embryos for whatever reason. I have a friend of mine who went through breast cancer and they also advised her to freeze them because of the treatment that she had gone through or she was going to go through. So again, there's so many different scenarios. And I think there's a word that the doctor used, which is you're preserving and you kind of, I guess you're investing in having a safety net, right? To some extent in the future, like you're never guaranteed anything, but you are increasing the probability of being able to achieve that dream. My dream was always to be a mother. I knew that from a very, very young age and... You know, is it a financial investment? Yes, it's a very personal decision whether you want to go ahead and put your savings or money into this. But for me, there was no price to being a mom in the future, right? Like for me, it was like number one priority. There was like no questions about it. Like I'd rather put money into that than into like, you know, something else. And now that the companies more and more are starting to cover them, I think it's just important to let women know the options that they, they have. Number one, just to be conscious of how fertile, you know, what is my biological clock really look like? Is it taking faster than it should be? And these are answers that are so easily available. And I feel like we don't take the initiative to actually, I don't know if it's culturally, like are we I thinking think we're, we're going to I think there's
2: it's two parts, especially in the Latino culture. Like it's similar to like the taboo around therapy. Like you don't go to therapy, but because that means you're crazy. And so you're not going to go and freeze your eggs because that means maybe something's wrong with you. It's always like you do that if something's wrong. And no, the approach is you go to therapy to be proactive about preventing and protecting your mental health. And you would freeze your eggs to be proactive. And give yourself options in the future. But I think specifically in women, there's also generational gaps between, you know, like, let's say our mothers and their perspectives on things in general. Yeah, and it's right? true. My it's mom different. was like,
3: "But why are you doing that? Yeah. But, you know. But And I go, you know, mom, I'd rather do it now. And then maybe in the future, again, maybe I'm never going to use them. Maybe they're going to stay frozen, you know, until my contract says that they're going to be there. But... I did feel, and people ask me, you know, how did it feel? Was it tough? I go aside from the physical thing, which is kind of like, you kind of blur. I don't really remember the details. It is a little bit draining because of the hormones, but I remember feeling very at peace when I was done with it. I was like, it's you know empowering. what? Yeah, it's empowered. I was like, okay, I did it. I got a great number. They're frozen. And if I need them in the future, at least I know that, you know? And time goes by so fast and life changes so drastically sometimes that at least that was something that I wanted to plan for and have reserved because it was always a dream of mine. You know, I have four now, but I'm saying in the future, if I want to have another sibling another child, you know, you never know if that's going to be my only option to have a child. I mean, I always wanted to do it, you know, naturally, but if that can happen because of physically, I can. It's interesting what the doctor said when it comes. Physically, yes, you could birth and carry a child, but it's different what your inside and what your ovaries look like in terms of like, because most women... Always tell themselves, "I'm healthy. I work out. Feel great. I feel younger than ever." But when you do the analysis, you know of what you're carrying, it's sometimes it's very different.
0: I always joke around. I say the ovary doesn't care what you look like on the outside, and it's so true, particularly in South Florida, where you know we do have a culture of appearance. We just have a nurse who just moved here from Colorado, and she's like. Everybody looks amazing here. Like all my, and she came up with a rule of seven, like seven years. Because I look at a woman, I'm adding seven years to what she really looks like, and that's her age without looking at her file, <laughs> because these women look five, ten years younger. You know, in South Florida, we're we're very conscious about our appearance. We take good care. We dress well. All of these different things, much like LA, New York, etc. These. You know, she brought that to my attention and you know, it's true, you know, the ovary, I've always joked around, I said, the ovary doesn't care what you look like on the outside. And it does, there is no correlation between how well you eat, are you a vegan, or how many times a day you work out. There is no correlation. It's a distinctly different organ that is not susceptible to the good things that you put into your body and unfortunately is extremely susceptible to the bad things you put into mm, your body. Which is
3: so unfair, right? If you think about it, it's such a sad reality. But you know, is the cars we're dealt with and this is I think an option that we're given to be a little bit more proactive about what we can do in the future and what can increase our probability of of reaching that dream, which is motherhood for a lot of women.
2: This was very insightful. So thank you,
0: doctor. No, thank you for having me on the show. I mean, I really feel very passionate about it. It's not because of not necessarily or not only because it's what I do, but, you know, my wife, who is absolutely brilliant and, you know, Ivy League educated woman with many Ivy League educated friends, when we first started dating 20 years ago, her friends We're like, really, this is a problem? And we're so oblivious. These are, I mean, intellectually, you know, in the 1% and had no idea about this reality. And this is 20 years ago. Literally, I've been with my... And
3: again, when I did it, which is five years ago, almost a little over five years ago, I didn't know anyone who had done it. The only people I knew were people who had struggled to get pregnant, that were trying to get pregnant, that kind of went through, which I always call this is like halfway through the IVF process, right? Like a little bit. Um, But I didn't know anyone who had done it to preserve their eggs, to have done it proactively when they were young. So I didn't have anyone who I could have this conversation with. Later on, I'm the one that was always telling my friends, hey, you got to do this. If financially you could do this, or you're willing to sacrifice and put this aside, make a little savings and just do it or look into it how you could cover it, I would do it. I did it, So I'm not going to advocate something that I personally wouldn't do but haven't done. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to have this conversation with a lot of friends who later on were thanking me for you know, having the discussion openly. I think also a lot of people don't discuss it openly or don't feel comfortable, Shin. I think now it's becoming more and more of a A conversation. That's why we do this. (laughs) Topic. So that other women, you know, could maybe take a pause and analyze and say, you know what? Yes, either for whatever reason, at this point in my life, I'm not ready to,
2: you know, take the step or start trying. So I should be looking into Or at least do the initial homework of prioritizing, you know, if you are advancing your career, what does this company offer? Do they offer something like this and value that a little bit higher than they would previously without that knowledge?
0: As a husband, as a son of a very incredibly strong woman, as a father of a beautiful young woman, young girl... And as an infertility specialist, you know, I look back and I see the progress. You guys should be very proud of yourselves, you know, like the strides that you have made in such a short period of time, relative, I'm sure it seems very long for you, for women in general, but it's remarkable. You know, you have the upper hand in terms of enrollment in companies like Facebook, you know, the the fangs. I would venture to guess that the majority of, you know, the big execs are women in the stock market. So you need to like protect yourselves because the biology was not designed for this. And as you said, Karen, you know, whether it's mental health or reproduction, it's something that needs to be proactively addressed. And it's forums like this that give women the opportunity and information that they otherwise would not get, you know, and it's slowly but surely disseminating into the medical profession.
3: Another anecdote I I will share is when I will go into the office and again, there's women there who are trying to conceive and have been there for a few times trying to conceive and then you have you know younger women or other women who are going through the process of this preservation um, of the what's the oocyte oocyte is the word right
0: (laughs) of the eggs I'm gonna name my boat oocyte
3: yes it does also for me at least I was so grateful you know and so humbled by the experience because it makes you realize that it is a gift and a miracle to have a child. And when I sat in that waiting room as I was, you know, whether it was to get my temperature or to do some blood work, and I saw these women and these couples who were there. And, you know, again, I'm imagining their stories, right? And their struggles and their faces and their emotions. It made me very, very, feel very grateful and very humbled at the fact that it is a gift, you know, to to have a child. I and mean, at that point, I didn't have a baby, but it, it made me more aware of how what a gift it is, and what a precious and very sometimes miraculously, you know, very low probability that it could happen, right? Like life really is a miracle. And if you're able to preserve that and increase your chances, I definitely think you should. Again, this, you know, minor surgery, there's our risk involved. Everyone should look into all the risk. And it's a very personal decision. It made me very, very aware of conscious that a lot of women struggle, you know, and it's not an easy battle to go through.
0: Oftentimes uh, women who are freezing eggs, they, they, you know, one of their questions is, how am I going to feel? I say to them, you're going to feel great. The reason I say that is because, and, and to Pam's point, is that when you're doing an egg freezing as a process or, uh, you know, a treatment uh, cycle versus um, a couple or a woman or a man who are going through this process with the notion that they're trying to get pregnant and the the fear of the unknown is completely different emotional uh, state of mind. You know, you feel empowered. You're like, I'm taking you know, the bull by the horns, and I'm going to control my life, my reproductive potential, whereas another couple who's been trying two, three, five, ten years, and have not gotten pregnant, and understand fully well that this is not a slam dunk, the reason you're here is because it's difficult, and it hasn't happened on its own where it should have been, that's a totally different experience. Yeah,
3: and you feel it, and you become so much more appreciative of your own journey, and saying, you know what, I don't want to be there, I think, in the future, you know, like, it's also a celebration of doctors like Hernandez Ray. I feel like science and God, you know, have joined forces now to grant these wishes and these dreams, which is the greatest gift you could give anyone, right? Like the gift of life. I could talk about this all day. I'm so passionate about it. And so, you know, I'm always trying to learn more about it because I get so many questions about it once I, you know, I shared that I had done this. And I always say, look, I'm not the expert. All I knew was I knew I wanted to be a mom. I knew that if I could increase my chances when it eventually became difficult because of my age, what could I do about it? And this is how I ended up doing this. But now we have an expert, so... No, this is
2: amazing yeah, and very insightful, and we're really appreciative of I, your I know.
0: I really appreciate the opportunity to, you know, Pamela is a, a dear, dear friend uh, for many years now. And, uh, I, you know, very respected. And, and Karen, it was, it was wonderful to meet you, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak here about this that I'm, you know, really so passionate about.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much, doctor. Talk to you soon.
0: Have a wonderful weekend.